out to the other uh, connect tots. Y'all are headed out. Um, some of the adults, you're not headed out. Please stay with us. Um, we are going to be kicking off our series in, in uh, Romans today. Uh, one of the, the things that um, I'm thankful for is our kids. And it's important not only to teach, I believe, to, to give, but it's important that they see us giving, and not just of our money, but of our time and of ourselves, and I think that is so true for uh, so many of you here this morning, but I hope you've all had a good Christmas season, and I hope your 2019 is off to a good start. Um, I wanted to kind of, before we get rolling this morning, just kind of update you on some things. We've got a lot of exciting things going on this morning, and I kind of wanted to let you know about those things. Um, First thing is, if you were not here uh, last Sunday, and then you went to check out the uh, website or the podcast to see, uh, to the, get the message, and you realize, okay, there was no message. Just, uh, just know that nothing bad happened. We, we didn't uh, have anything bad happen, but we intentionally had set aside that uh, last Sunday of the year to have an uh, intentional time of corporate prayer, time of prayer together. And uh, it, we did that last week, and we did that during our teaching time. And we did that by getting up, moving the chairs around, and, and gathering into small groups and, and praying. And honestly, I, as I said last week, some of y'all were here, I said that's something we've never done in the six-year history of, of Connect Church. And so, you know, I was a little worried about it and, you know, didn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, thought maybe it would not go well. But I knew that the Lord had convicted my heart about it. And so I've learned a little bit sometimes when he pushes, don't push back and, um, I've, I've pushed back a, a many, many times and still do. And so I knew he'd convicted my heart about it. And um, I'd had plenty of discussions with the, uh, the vision team members. And uh, they had had these ideas too. And they had contributed a lot to kind of what was on my heart and mind. And so I said, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go ahead and do this. And so we didn't have any teaching or, or preaching last week. But I tell you what, um, I don't know how many groups there was. There was four or five that were in here that as we gathered together. But it, if you were here last week, you know that, Lord met with us. Um, it was awesome to, to, to be up here and even to be down there praying with you guys and to hear multiple people praying multiple prayers out loud at the same time, really about some of the same things, our, our goals that God has given us, uh, we believe God's called us to for 2019, concerning, you know, c- connecting to him and then connecting to the church and connecting to the community, our three core values. And, um, I want to thank the, the small group, the prayer leaders, you guys leading, but I just want to thank you, period, if you were here last week, because it was a, uh, it was a really sweet time of prayer and fellowship where I think we got to meet with uh, the Lord and, and meet with each other. So uh, don't worry, though, if you missed last week, maybe you were traveling and a lot of people were, or maybe I know some people were serving on servant teams and y'all were out, um, maybe you can connect kids or security team or whatever. Um, we're going to, I really feel burdened about us focusing more on prayer, especially going into this year, um, and it's something that's going on in my personal life that I feel more convicted about prayer, but I think it's also something the Lord's leading us to. So we're going to do more of those kind of things, but also don't ever get worried if you're one of those people, and I hope you saw this last week if you were here and you're one of those people that, like, hey, I'm just not one of those people that's going to pray out loud. That's just not my jam. No problem, okay, because I don't, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you must pray out loud in front of people to be a Christian, okay, so that doesn't exist. All right, so just know you're never going to be called on to, to pray and put on the spot. 
but you're just called on just to, to sit and, and, and be still and, and like, the, like the psalm says, to be still and know that he is Lord. And I think last week <clears throat> in some of our prayer times, it wasn't necessarily always what we were praying. It was just to be still together in, in the moment with the Holy Spirit and just to know that he's God. And I think that is so important. So I don't want you to think, oh, gosh, Dad's going to have another one of those prayer services, and I don't want to be there. I'll be caught don't, 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 don't do that, okay? You're never going to be called on. Um, that is not a checkbox for Christianity or anything like that. But um, it was amazing because I think the Lord showed up in a, in a major way. Second thing, um, speaking of small groups, as Craig mentioned earlier, real excited that our connect groups are kicking back off today, okay? And we, you probably hear us talk a lot about connect groups. Um, when we have one group that does meet on Sunday, so that's why I say today. Most of our other groups, they meet the rest during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know what days now, I forget. But you can look on the website. I think we have five um, different groups that are meeting right now. And I would tell you that our connect groups are the primary point of focus when it comes to ministry here. Um, I believe when last week in our prayer time, uh, David said it well, that we don't have like 35 different programs and you plug into all 35 and you got something to do every single night of the week. We just, we don't believe that that's biblical, first of all, and then we don't believe it's possible, like practically in life, second of all. So we do basically two things. We meet together on Sunday mornings for corporate worship and then we meet together in small groups. Now we have a couple of other things we can plug into, which you heard about, the women's Bible studies on um, Thursday nights and Tuesday mornings, and then we have the men's study that's going to be starting on Thursday nights. And So those are also times to plug in, but nothing, I believe, is more important than that time in a group. And I have said this before, and I'll say it again probably until my dying day. If you had to choose between being here on Sunday morning and being in your connect group, I would say if you have to choose, choose your connect group. And the main reason being is you get to get in circles like we did last week, and you get to have conversations. You get to look at people in the eye instead of looking at the back of their head like you're doing right now and just listening to me. And you get to have conversations, and then you get to build those relationships with each other. You get to share in fellowship. And it's a, it's just, there's nothing magical about the groups. All you're going to do is you're going to meet in a group member's home. You're going to discuss that passage from that Sunday but the main thing you're going to do is you're just going to build relationships. You know, hey, what's going on in your life? How can I be praying for you? How can we be praying for your family as you go through this? And building those bonds through Jesus. And unfortunately, on Sunday mornings, it just doesn't happen in any church. Because we're here, we, we praise and we worship, and that's awesome. Uh, we, we celebrate communion, and that's awesome. And we have a time of teaching, and that's awesome. But there's very little time for that life-on-life relationship. There's just not. We kind of come in, we do the church thing, and we leave. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we have to have some point in our life where there's, there's starting to be bonds that are built beyond Sunday morning. And so like I said, we, got, we have five groups meeting. Uh, as Craig said, if you're already in a group and you plan to stay in that group, then you don't need to do anything. Your connect group leader will reach out to you. you they probably already have sent you an email or something. Hey, guys, we're meeting whatever night they are meeting and, and what place and what time. But if you're not in a group, or you're thinking about changing groups. That's one thing we always do is if you don't, don't feel stuck in a group. Um, I've been in, in almost every group possible, and that's by design. I like to be in different groups. And I don't want you to ever be in a group where you're like, this is weird, this is not working. Just go online and check out one of the other groups and click on, 
hey, I want to go to that one. You can check out where they're, where they're meeting. It might be closer to your home. You can check out when they're meeting. It might be a better day for your schedule. And nobody takes that personally. We've had people move groups three and four times. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. Why did you leave our group? It's not, no. We're just trying to go where God leads us. And Jamie and I have done that uh, multiple times. And we'll probably continue to do that just as God leads. And I would, I'd encourage you to do the same thing uh, as you consider connect groups. And uh, Craig said uh, you can see him. You can also see me. If you have any questions at all, just grab me, grab Craig after the service, and uh, we can get you to that right connect group leader that might be the best fit for you. So I mentioned the prayer service, which I was super excited about. We had last week. I mentioned connect groups. And the third thing I'm really excited about is this new sermon series that we're kind of kicking off today in the book of Romans. Um, If you are new to Connect Church, or maybe you're not aware of this, we kind of do things a little bit different in our preaching time than some other churches do. We do very, very little topical preaching. So what that means is we don't take a lot of topics and then tell you what the Bible says about those. Instead, we study the Bible and see what the Bible says to how to apply those things in real life. And so we choose books of the Bible to kind of preach and teach all the way through from the very first verse of the first chapter to the last verse in the last chapter. And we believe that the best way to read and study and understand and apply Scripture is take one book at a time and focus on studying and knowing that book from start to finish. And that, that method, if you've ever used that, you know that that gives you not only an understanding of that book, but it also, if you're consistent with it, will give you a greater understanding of the bigger st- picture of, of Scripture, the bigger story in Scripture of what God's doing and how he relates each of those books uh, together and gives us an accurate understanding of the Bible. So uh, depending on the book we're going through, the sermon series, is, uh, you guys have, have been here any time, you know they can last a few weeks. They might last a few years. I was uh, thinking back this week, I went back on our website, and uh, Hannah does a tremendous job of keeping everything kind of organized on there. And you can go back to, you know, our very first Sunday, tw- uh, you know, six years ago, but you can see the different series we've done, and I was looking through those, and, and the longest series we've done is actually one of our first series. We did it in the Gospel of Luke, and we were in the Gospel of Luke 108 Sundays, okay? So that, that spanned from November 2012 to May 2015. Long time, right? Then on the other end of that, our shortest series was in June of 15, and we looked at the book of Jonah, and we did four Sundays in June, and we knocked that whole book out in four Sundays, and that was it. Um, so, you know, if we're going through a longer sermon series, which Romans will be, we're going to take some breaks. We're going to have some focuses on prayer. We're going to take some breaks, maybe look at other books of the Bible, look at other things that pop up. But that leads me to, to kind of where we stand today, and that is the first Sunday of 2019, and we're getting ready to dive into what I believe is the most, one of the most powerful, content-rich books of the entire Bible. It's the book of Romans. And if you're familiar with Romans, it only has 16 chapters. You're thinking, well, that's, that shouldn't take that long. But the, 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 it's not the length, but it's the depth of Romans. And if you ever spend any time in Romans, it's, um, you can read one verse and just have your mind blown. Whereas, if you know, we've, we've done some sermon series, like, say, for example, in Exodus, where it's telling a story, and you're just listening to characters in a story, which, you know, you read four or five sentences, okay, I get that, and you just keep moving, and, that, and that's completely fine. Romans is not so much like that. So what I want to do today is kind of frame for you uh, kind of the picture that we want to do as we go through the book, as we embark on this journey over 
the next however long. We don't get concerned with the length of time that we preach the series. So we're concerned about accurately and uh, rightly teaching the Word of God. If that takes one week or ten years, we, we're not concerned about that. So um, just, just know that. And so it's a very fine balance when we go into Romans because you don't want to go so fast that you miss major themes in that book, major points of emphasis. But on the other hand, with a book like Romans, you can go too slow and you can get bogged down on, on one word, uh, one phrase, one sentence, and it kind of like stalls out your engine. You're like, okay, this, man, we have no momentum. We have no motivation. We're kind of stuck. So it's really finding a, a balance there. And the nature of the book of Romans is it makes us be cautious as we approach that because I want to be, I want to teach it in a, in, a, in a manner that is accurate to the word, but also a time that doesn't speed us up, but doesn't slow us down, if, if that makes sense. So that's the way we're going to uh, approach Romans, not only this week, but every week. Um, if, if I were to ask you guys this morning, and this is kind of what I wanted to um, focus on for our time, what we have left this morning. If I were to ask you guys this morning, one-on-one, you know, what is or what would you think about your own personal spiritual quiet time, your, 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 your personal spiritual life? How's that going? You know, uh, how's your Bible study reading personally going? Not how's your church attendance, not how's your connect group attendance, not how's, you know, how are you battling sin, but how is that daily time in the word and prayer going? And I would be willing to say, some of y'all I know would say, hey, it's, it's really going really well. It's rich. God's speaking to me. And there's others of us like, you know, I'm in one of those bad times where it's like I'm, I've missed some days, I've missed some weeks, I've missed some months, whatever. But if I ask all of us, you know, is, is one thing you want to do be able to understand and do better in studying the Bible? I think everybody in this room, regardless of where you are on the continuum, I think everybody or I hope everybody would say, yeah, I want to learn how to study that better. I want to learn how to study it more. And not just so you learn on Sunday morning from whoever is standing up here talking, but so that you're learning from the Word itself because that is the source. There will be things always said from any pulpit, especially this one if I'm in it, that it's just, hey, you just need to throw that out because that was sad and that was dumb and he shouldn't have said that. But when you're in the Word of God, it is 100% supernatural. It is 100% from the Holy Spirit. And so you need to learn to feed on the word and not so much on a sermon or on a, on a podcast, which I know can be, those can be good things, and I use on those things a lot, but we want to find out how to study the, the Bible. And that's what I really want to focus in on today. Um, let me just tell you that I am, if you're one of those people that would say, I'm there with you uh, as far as the struggle. If you're saying, man, I haven't read my Bible in a week, or I haven't read my Bible in I'm not sure when I read my Bible. Um, and when I have read it, it's been kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really getting anything, and I've read this part before. And, um, hey, I, I'm there. I struggle with you. I want you to know that. And I have good seasons, like a lot of you probably do. But, boy, do I have some bad seasons. And today, what I want to do as, as we finish up our time together is just share with you some practical things that you can do that will help you to know either how to study the Bible. Some of you may have never even attempted it because it's just such an overwhelming task. Or if you have attempted it, how to study it better. And I'm just going to tell you that these, these reminders and these teaching points are more for, for me than they probably are for any of y'all. 
I'll just be honest with you, because I need these. I need to be reminded of these. I need to apply these in, in my life. So I hope this is helpful for you as we, we dive into Romans um, because I want to, to do this right, and I want to do this in the appropriate manner. So one of the things that I've had the privilege of doing uh, is I've been in ministry now for, for 18, over 18 years, and 12 of those years came in youth ministry. And I don't know if some of y'all have been in youth ministry. That's a whole different ball of wax right there. Uh, but I love my time in youth ministry. And, and uh, one of the things that being in ministry allows you to do and gives you privileges to do, they get, you know, you get to go to all these conferences. You get to hear all these speakers. And I've heard, you know, you name it, I've probably heard them speak at least once or twice. You know, from the, the really big fancy guys to guys you have never heard of to just small town local people. You know, so I, I've, I see that as a privilege and an opportunity. But one of the richest uh, and greatest blessings that I've had was being able to attend a, a Christian camp out in the mountains of North Carolina called Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. And uh, I, I first started taking youth there about, it's been over 15 years ago. And we have several people here that have even served on staff at Snowbird. Um, and so they've, they've, they've worked and been at Snowbird far more than me, although I would just take a group of kids, you know, every summer or maybe once in a while in the winter or whatever to conferences and camps. But one of the things about Snowbird, they do amazing stuff. I could talk about it all the time. We support them as a church because of their, their ministry. But one of the things that they do so well, I believe, is they focus in on how to teach students and then also teach adults how to study the Bible. And they have specific breakout sessions that are designed just around that. And so uh, I attended, I don't know how many of those sessions throughout the years of me going, and I know those on staff here have attended a lot. If you've ever been to Snowbird as a, a camper or whatever, you maybe went as a chaperone. If you've ever been there, you've probably attended those sessions too. And see, I, I'm, a, I'm a really, really big believer in not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, so in other words, if somebody's smarter than me and they're more gifted than me and they're a better teacher than me, I don't feel like I need to go back and, oh, let me revolutionize this and add my spin to it and then, you know, try to teach it in some new way. Um, so I wanted to, to share with you today just really practical tips. And this is very different than what we usually do on Sunday mornings because usually we're going right into the Word and we're kind of breaking it down verse by verse. But I think sometimes before we do that, I think we need to understand how to do that on our own because I think sometimes there, there becomes a reliance on whoever's speaking. Like, wow, I really got it when you were speaking, okay? And that's awesome, and we want you to get that, but we also want you to do it on your own because we don't want you to trust us because we're going to mess up, and we're, and we're sinners just like you, and everybody that stands up here has got sin and things wrong where they can mess things up. So what I wanted to, to, to share with you today is just a couple of points that are practical that I want you to use as we go into the series of, of, of Romans. And these are things that you'll use outside of the church. And I want to give credit to the guys that I learned all of this from, and I, and I wanted you to, to see them this morning. The two guys that teach most of these sessions uh, is Rob Conti and Spencer Davis. They both have different positions there at Snowbird. Uh, no, they're not related. They look related. Um, and I, it looks like, hey, you got to be bald and you got to have a beard. But actually, a lot of people there are bald and have beards. But anyway, um, they, um, so maybe I should work there. I don't know. But in, in hindsight, these guys are awesome. 
They have the most sweetest spirits. They're humble dudes, um, and they, they study and know the word. And I've learned uh, so much from, from them and others on staff there. But 99.9% of the stuff I'm going to share with you right now, it came from these two dudes. And so uh, if you've been on staff at, at Snowbird, you probably could get up and share what I'm getting ready to share. Maybe it's a good reminder for you as well. So when we come to uh, Scripture, and by the way, I would recommend if, you, if you're interested in, in learning more, they have all their stuff online. If you go to snowbirdwildernessoutfitters.com, I believe it's what it is, they have breakout sessions and teaching sessions that are just phenomenal. And it's not just for students. I mean, student, high school students learn from it, but I learned a lot, and I was going as a youth pastor. So um, I think I learned probably more than the, the students. So I would encourage you to check out their website and listen. But when we start going into the scriptures, the very first thing we need to do and probably address from the very beginning is that word study. So when I say uh, to you, hey, how are you doing studying your Bible? Sometimes in our culture, that word has kind of a negative connotation. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher full-time, okay? So tomorrow at Central Carolina Community College, we start our spring semester. So my office at school right now is loaded with syllabi up to here. I'm getting ready to go in. I've got back-to-back classes starting 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, and that's just what I do, okay? So I am a teacher by nature. I love studying by nature. I love breaking things down. I love explaining things, okay? So that's, that's me. But I realize that's not everybody. Some of y'all, like, hated school. As soon as you could get out, let me out. I don't want to be a part of this. This is crazy. I had to study all the time. I don't want to be a part of this. That is completely fine because everybody likes something different. So I think sometimes when I say study, you're like, man, I, don't, stu- I hate studying. I had to study for math. I had to study for science. I had to study. I study. I, I just don't say that word. I don't want to study the Bible. And the Bible does use that word, by the way, study, a couple of different times when talking about itself. But it also uses a couple of other words to talk about what we should do when we approach the, the, the Word of God. And those, those words are words like meditating and feasting and feeding and desiring the Word like a, a young child would desire milk or desiring the meat of the Word. So when we come to the Scripture the number one thing I want you to do is to approach the word as an opportunity and not as a burden, not as a, a checklist. Psalm 34a, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, Oh, taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste. When we approach the word of God, I think a lot of times we see it like, are you kidding me? I'm going to sit down the day again and do my quiet time and, you know, read my chapter or read my verse or whatever it is. And we should see it as a time, like Psalm 34 is talking about, is a, a time to set aside to go feast on the Word of God. I know a lot of y'all are coming off the holidays, and, and me too, and I've been, you know, family, and we've had tons of food. And I tell you what, I didn't dread any single one of those meals. I mean, you can look at me and tell that, okay? So, I mean, I didn't think, oh, gosh, we got another Christmas meal. Like, I hate all that food. Do I have to sit here and eat this delicious food? Like, I didn't do that. I'm like, when are we eating? Like, what time is this? Is this like 6? What time are we going to eat? And I look forward to sitting down and, and feasting on a celebration of, of and tasting and enjoying that food. The same to be said, that's why the, the psalmist uses the word taste. And so... I don't know about you, but I like to taste good things. I like to feast on good things. 
I don't, I don't dread those things. So I want you to see, first of all, when we come to the Word of God, it is a privilege and it is an opportunity. It is a celebration. It's not a burden, okay? So you have to kind of change your, change your mind. So if you don't like that word study, then just forget it, okay? Just forget it because the Bible uses a thousand other words to talk about itself, and study is just one of them. So if you're not an academic person, you don't like study, and you don't like memory, forget it. Just forget it. I'm going to go feast. Put it like that. I'm going to go feast. I'm going to go spend time with, with the Lord. Second thing we need to do when we approach the Bible, approach reading the Bible or, or even studying the Bible, and I really think it's the most practical thing, is we need to begin our time in prayer. You ever thought about this? You're getting ready to read God's Word, okay? And before you do that, you have the privilege and the opportunity to speak to the author himself about his work. I don't know many books where you're allowed to do that. I mean, you may go find an author and you get a book signing, you get a little signature, but you get to spend time with the God of the universe talking about his work before you start reading it. Think about that privilege. That's why prayer is so important. In Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That needs to be our prayer when we approach the word is ask the Holy Spirit to store the word in our heart so that it can help us to fight sin and to fight temptation and to be kind and to be loving and to be more like Jesus. So second thing is pray. Third thing, most practical, one of the more practical things you can think about, and I love this, this I think this comes from, uh, from Spencer Davis. He says, talks about learning the Bible is a lot like learning to ride a bike. I love this analogy. Think about when you first learned to ride a bike right? And think about me. I was much, much older than I should have been when I learned how to ride a bike. I was like 12 or something. I don't know. Um, it was way older. Like I, there was like five-year-olds just like running circles around me. And I'm like, okay, I'm 12 and I can't ride a bike. But anyway, um, I, I remember though when I started riding my bike that I don't remember my parents bringing in experts to talk about how to ride a bike and giving me lectures. And I don't remember my parents sitting me down and explaining every single little part of that bike and saying, make sure you know what this is and make sure you know what this function is because you're not going to be able to ride that bike unless you know all these things. My parents didn't do that. They, they gave me a bike for Christmas. I was super pumped about it. And, and just like you, if you really learn how to ride a bike, that's how I learned how to ride a bike. I had to get on the bike, and I had to attempt to ride. Now, depending on your age, you might not have a little training wheel action going on. I, I was too old and too embarrassed to do that. So I was just out there riding, and you know what I did? Uh, I fell. And I fell again and again and again and again and again. And you keep getting back up on the bike until you start falling a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And before you know it, I've rode whatever, five minutes, and I hadn't wrecked into a tree. I haven't fell off my bike. I want you to see the same thing is true with Bible study. The more you ride a bike, the more, the better you become at riding a bike. Same thing with Bible study. Sometimes you just got to get up on that bike and ride. And I think a lot of us are scared to do that because we're going to fall. And yes, you're going to fall. And so when you're studying the Bible, there's going to be times that you don't understand it. Boom, crash. Get back up on the bike. Let's keep reading, okay? And then over here, I don't get this at all. This, this doesn't make sense. I wasn't taught this. And we have a crash over here and we have an emotional meltdown. I get it. It's going to happen. You're going to fall when you are learning to study the Bible. But you have to get back up on the bike and keep riding. Read it more 
and more and more because the more you read it, the better you're going to be at it and the better you're going to be at studying it. And no, when you read a Bible and when, you, when I first started riding a bike, I didn't understand everything. I didn't even understand how the chain worked and the pedals. I didn't understand any of that stuff. You don't have to. You don't have to. That stuff will come with time. The more you ride it and your chain falls off, guess what? You learn how to fix it, right? Or you're not going to ride it anymore. So you, you learn those things as you go, and you'll get better and better and better. So think about when you're approaching your Bible, it's like, hey, that first time I learned how to ride a bike. Yep, you're going to fall. But you keep doing it, so you fall less and less and less. Fourth thing we need to do when reading the Bible is I want you to think about it this. Read one whole book of the Bible all the way through, okay? And that's the way we teach here at Connect Church. There's a reason we do that. If you have never done that, if you've never sat down and read the first word of the first chapter all the way through to the last word, last chapter of any book, some of these books are one page long, any book, any letter, any book. If you've never done that, let me just encourage you to start in one of the four Gospels. Pick one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Some people are partial to one more than the other. Uh, I know for me, I like some more than the other. There's not one that's better than the other. They're all equal, but they're all very different. But start there. Don't, don't start in Leviticus. Don't start in Deuteronomy. Don't start in Genesis. Like, well, that's the, that's the first of the Bible. No, trust me. If you've not done this, you need to start one of the Gospels and read it from point one all the way to the very end. And then when you do that, read it again and then read it again. We're back riding that bike again. And if you think about this, and I think Spencer mentioned this, if you think about some of the, the books in the New Testament, actually most of the books in the New Testament, you can read one of those in the time it takes to watch, what, one or two episodes of your Netflix show, right? I mean, how much do we watch Netflix? How much do we watch movies? I can, read, I can, read, I can sit down right now. You can too. I'm not a fast reader. I'm sure some of you are slow. Some of you are fast. I can sit down right now, and I can finish most books of the Bible reading in the time it takes me to watch one episode of whatever my favorite series is on Netflix. And even some of the bigger, the bigger books, as, as Spencer was talking about, he said, you know, think about it. He said, you can finish almost any book in the Bible in the time of one NFL game. We're in the middle of NFL playoffs. I'm a huge football fan. Um, I love watching it. You know how many football games I've watched this year in the NFL? I can't even tell you how many. And yet, can I, can I tell you how many books of the Bible I've read this year? That becomes very convicting, right? I can read, I mean, you pick any book. I mean, maybe other than you know, Psalms or something, pretty much any book, and if I turn the TV off and put the game aside, I can finish any book I want. So we have the time to do it, but we're not making our priorities to do it. And so when you read through one whole book, it causes growth. It helps us to learn the larger story of the Bible. You keep reading and reading and reading. And I'll tell you this too, and I've, I've met some people like this, you just, you're not good readers, and you hate reading. I even had some people... Um, before Connect Church launched, uh, when we were back at, um, some of y'all were back at Turner's Chapel and we launched out of Turner's Chapel, there were some people there that I remember, they were getting older in age, and uh, I would go visit with them in the uh, nursing homes, and they had, they had either, um, because of their education, not, they had not stayed in school long enough to learn how to read, or because of their health, they had not, their eyesight was going, no matter with glasses, magnifying glass, whatever, they couldn't read. And you know what they would do and what I would do with them and, and uh, the people that I was visiting with them would do? We'd get out our phone, we'd get out a computer, and we have the Bible read to them. 
and to us. Listening to the Bible being read is a great alternative. You may hate reading, okay? I know some of y'all do. Like, you, you've read a book maybe because you had to in like ninth grade or something, and you had never read a book again. Well, listen to it being read. I do this all the time. It's one of the most helpful things for me, and I usually am reading along with it being read because it prevents me from getting stuck on one verse for like 20 minutes, and I'm reading the same verse like 10 times, and I'm just losing my mind. I don't know what's going on. And so I do this a lot just to kind of keep me on track. And, you, I mean, you can look, go to your cell phone. There's apps that will read to you. There's websites that will read to you. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful tool that you can use, especially if you're not a reader. And I know some of you all already do this. Some of you talk about this to me. I'm like, yeah, I do that too. Maybe in your office, the, the Bible's being read to you while you're working. Or maybe while you sit down and you take a, a, a work break at work, plug in those headphones, and what do you got going? You listen to the latest. Nope, I've got God's Word going into my mind, and I'm listening and I'm, and I'm thinking and meditating on it. There's two, there's, and then if I asked you guys this, most of you would say this, and I'd probably answer this way too. And, and these guys, Spencer and Rob mentioned this at, at camp. There's two primary reasons that we don't read and study the Bible. And think about, if I ask just a general population of Christians, why do you not read or study your Bible more? Most people fall into one of two categories. Most will say it's, too complex, or it's too boring. Now, I don't, I, first of all, I don't know how those two things can exist together, uh, but that's the two answers that most people give. I don't, I don't get it. When I sit down, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so I don't know where to read. I don't know how to do it, and I just quit. Or I have been reading for a week, and I don't, it ain't helping me. I, it's, it's just boring. Let me just tell you the main reasons that those two things exist is because we're not studying the Word appropriately. We've got some bad habits. How many of you uh, have ever sat down in maybe despair, maybe just for a quiet time, and we do this? God, I want you to show me something. Oh, God. Oh, yes, I'm in Judges, chapter 20, verse 1. And it says, all the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead came out and the community assembled as one body before the Lord at Mizpah. That worked out really well. God, let's do this again. Let's, let's, uh, oh, good. I'm in Isaiah 28. Woe, this is verse 1. Woe to the majestic crown of Ephraim's drunkards and to the fading flower of its beautiful splendor, which is on the summit above the rich valley. Woe to those overcome with wine. So is God not answering me? Is this, this Bible, is this not working? Like, what's going on here? How many of y'all done that, right? I bet everybody in this room's done that. I bet everybody in this room has done that. There is no other book in the world that we would pick up, whatever it is, and say, you know what? This is a good place to start. And we start in chapter 17, and we start reading, and we're like, wait a minute. If we did that with any other book anywhere in the world, we would be utterly confused, utterly confused, and if not confused, totally bored. You know, you just pick up any random book. I've got several Great Christian books there in the office. Go pick up any of them. They're great Christian authors. And I want you to pick it up. Let's say we start on page 126. That sounds good. And when you start reading, it ain't going to make sense. The book's great. The author's great. The content's great. But I can't start on page 126 and make it make sense. I'm going to think, you know, what in the heck is going on? So if we wouldn't do that with any other book in the world, why in the world would we take a book that was written, depending on what part you're reading, between 2,000 and 6,000 years ago on a different continent, 
in a different language, in a different culture, and think, oh, I can flip and I can make this work. You're not going to do that. People that do that, their Bible study ain't going to last about that long. And they're going to think, man, this book is archaic. This is not helpful for me. I, I just don't get it. I could take New York Times best-selling books, and I would destroy all of them if I did that. Same thing with movies. You ever get a movie, pop it in your DVD player? I think I'm going to start on scene 27 because there's some guns in that scene. That looks pretty cool. And I'm going to start right there. Nobody does that, right? It's like you don't even know what they're fighting about. So when I, I, I just randomly chose those, and I don't even know where I was. But I was reading there in Isaiah, there was some type, some type of war going on there. I don't know who's fighting. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what God's doing. But it's just saying, woe to you drunkards. Okay, maybe I just, you know, stop drinking or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. But there's a lot of things there that it's like so confusing. And so I would ask you that treat this like you would anything else in that when you pick this up, have a purpose Know where you're going to start, what book you're going to read, and you start on chapter 1, verse 1, and you read it all the way through. And like I said, if you've never done that, don't start in Jeremiah. Don't start in Lamentations. Start Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I'm telling you, if you read that once through, read it twice through, read it three times through, God's going to begin to work in your heart. See, I want you to understand that when when we blame this for saying it's too complex and too boring, the problem is not the Bible, just FYI, the problem is us, okay? When, when your Bible study method is this, that's your problem. That's not God's problem. That's your problem. That's my problem. Make sure you understand that. Number five, this is what I'm going to get you to do today before you leave, is we've provided these for you. I want everybody to begin to take on the challenge of writing down what you are reading and the things God's teaching you about. We believe so much in this that we have provided a journal for everybody here today for the book of Romans. They're on that table right there. I hope we have that table completely empty by the end of this service, and we tell Hannah, Hannah, we need to order about 30 more. Great, we'll order 40 more, 50 more, 60 more. I want every single person that wants to take this seriously and wants to learn how to study the Word, take one of those with you home. That is our gift to you to start 2019, because in that Scripture journal is going to have the Scripture, and then guess what it's also going to have? Blank pages. I'm not a big person that likes to write and underline my Bible, but number one, the pages are always so thin, it makes, smears up stuff and it makes me ill. But I just don't do that a lot. So, but if I have something like that, oh boy, I can write and I can highlight and I can do that. And I'm going to ask you guys to pick up one of those. And I want you to use that as we go through the book of Romans. And what, what do you write down? You're not writing down the verses you're reading. You're reading those. You're writing down, number one, the things you're learning, maybe things you never occurred to you. Write down your questions like, what in the world does verse 2 of Romans chapter 2 mean? I don't, I don't get that. Write that down, okay? And then write down the things that where you, hey, I want to come back to this because this, I believe this connects with another chapter over here. Write those things down because you know what? If you don't write them down, you forget them. You know, some of you guys that make lists, I'm a big list person. Uh, on my list right now at, at work is a whole list of what I was doing last week. You know, get this syllabus, get this syllabus, get this, you know, whatever. And it's like, I have to do that. So why would I think I could not do that when I come to the Word, but I could sit down in John chapter 1, I could read chapter 1, that was nice, and put it back down. And you asked me by lunchtime, what did I read? I don't know. Like, uh, Jesus, Jesus is God, Jesus came to earth. It's good stuff, right? I mean, I don't know. But if I have that journal, let me tell you what, I, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking of. So take one of the journals. Please, please take 
a journal home with you. We're going to start using those hopefully next week. Uh, hopefully this week. You can start diving in and using those things uh, immediately. Number six, meditate on the things you've read. What does that mean? That simply means to think about what you've read. Think about these are the words of God. They are supernatural. That word meditate it just simply means the idea of repeating, muttering, chewing, thinking on it. One of my personal favorite words that I've not really heard many people use, my brother Trevor Brady uses it all the time. He uses the word let it marinate. That's a good word. Let it marinate. Because when you, I, I'm not a cook. I can't even like boil water, okay? But my wife's a really good cook. But when you, when you cook something and you're really going to do it right, and I know Trevor's really big on this, and you're going to marinate it, you're going you're gonna to let that stuff sit, right? You're going to let that stuff, you're not going to marinate it and then throw it on the grill. You're going to let it sit and marinate and sink into the meat. I love that word that he uses because it, it's, it's an intentional process. And let me just tell you that it needs to be an intentional process, and it's a process that's going to take some time. And that might mean you need to be creative in the ways that you're meditating on Scripture. And that might mean practically that we take out our cell phones and we set a couple of alarms throughout the day that says, you know what, uh, at 11 o'clock and at 3 o'clock, let me go back to John 1 and read that again. I can't remember. I read it this morning, but let me go back and think through that, meditate on that again. I've seen some of you, and I've done this, write key words on your hands where, where you're going to look at your hands all day, right? Oh, yeah, I remember I was reading. Let me think more about that. Maybe it's note cards you put in your pocket every time you reach for your car keys. What is that? And you pull it out, and there's that verse again. You've got to find ways to put the Scripture in your head, in your mind, so you can think about it more than just at 5.30 in the morning or at 10.30 at night because that's not meditating. That's reading Scripture. So you've got to find creative ways to meditate and think on it and, as Trevor would say, let that beast marinate because it needs to marinate in our, in our, in our minds. I love one of the quotes the guys from uh, Snowbird shared in regards to meditation and boy, this, this convicts me a lot. Thomas Watson said this, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we don't warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. That convicts me to no end. The reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we don't warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. That's why I can sit down and read the word and say, I have no idea what that meant. That did nothing for me. I'm done. And I put it back down on my shelf and I go about my day, right? There is no meditation And so what Watson's saying there is warm yourself at the fires of meditation. It brings the word alive. You've got to ask yourself, have you been intentional about meditating on the word? Not just reading it, putting it down, going about your day, but actually meditating it on it throughout your day. Let me, I'm going to show you a quick two-minute video, John Piper video. Watch this. This This will blow your mind. I once heard a story about a professor. A student approached him curious about scientific observation? Very well, said the professor as he pulled out a huge yellow jar. Take this fish and look at it. Eventually, I'll test you. The student took the fish and began to observe it. He looked at it, studied it. After 10 minutes, he thought he'd seen everything that could be seen. He searched for the professor, but he was nowhere to be found. So he kept looking at the fish. 30 minutes, an hour, two hours passed. He was turning it over, looking it in the eyes, behind, beneath, above. What have you learned, asked the professor when he returned. The student rehearsed it all, 
The pores of the head, fleshy lips, lidless eyes, the lateral line, the spinous fin, the forked tail. The professor seemed disappointed. You haven't looked very carefully. You haven't even seen one of the most obvious features. Keep on looking. The student wanted nothing more to do with the fish. He was miserable. But he wanted to please the professor, so he looked and looked. Slowly, he discovered one new feature after another. Soon, time began to fly by as the student observed that fish, seeing all kinds of things he'd never noticed before. He realized just how right the professor had been. After another hour, he returned and heard a new list of observations. That's good, but that's not all. Go on, keep looking. And so for three long days, he put that fish before the student's eyes, forbidding him to study anything else, repeating the same chorus each time, look, look, look. We have something far more valuable to explore and study and look at. The simple habit of looking at the Bible will change your life and lead you to the greatest beauty in the world. If we look long enough, with enough care, we will see things we never dreamed possible to see. Give yourself daily to look and look and look at God's Word. Don't let go or walk away until you have seen more of Him. You will be amazed by the wonders you will find. see what's going on there? That, that, by the way, that's based on a true story. What's going on there is he said, I want you to examine this fish. And after 10 minutes, that student come back to that professor, and this is all legit, and he says, I, I got it. I got like 100 things, whatever. And he says, no, you don't. Go back and go back and go back and go back. And I forgot how long the, the actual story he, he went. But he discovered things about a fish that he didn't even think were possible. So if that's possible about a fish... What do you think that says about God's Word? The active, living, breathing Word of God. We need to spend more time looking. We need to spend more time thinking, more time dwelling on those things. The other thing I want to give to you today is some study resources to help you. And then I want you to notice on this point, I have not mentioned anything about study Bibles. I'm not mentioning anything about commentaries. And there's a reason for that. Because our main focus should be the Word of God, okay? That should always be the Word of God. But that also doesn't mean that we don't use resources and tools to help us when we're going to dig deeper into a passage. Or we get to a point, maybe like I was reading in Isaiah, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what war is this? Where is this? Who's fighting? And I need something to help me. I, I love the, the, what Rob Conti said in one of the breakouts. And he said, there is nothing spiritual about ignoring 2,000 years of church history and making the same mistakes people have made in the past. I have met so many people, so many righteous, quote-unquote, Christians, say, man, I don't use that stuff. I just use God's word, and I feast on his word. Fantastic, brother. You're smarter than me. Because I, I hit some stuff in here that I don't understand. I, I hit some stuff every day that I don't understand. I couldn't agree more with Rob. Why? would we ignore 2,000 years of church history and go back and make the same dumb mistakes that people have made in the past when we've got so many more resources 
that have been a part of this. And I'm not just making that up. Rob's not just making that up. The book of Ephesians says, tells us to do that. Look at what Ephesians 4 says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So God has gifted people, people that have wrote a lot of those books in my office and written a lot of these commentaries. God has gifted them to equip the saints to build up the church. So we're just going to ignore that? Like, we're too good for that. Like, no, I don't need that. This is all I need, brother. I ain't looking at that commentary. Okay, be careful about that because what you're doing is you're ignoring Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. You're ignoring that God has gifted other men, other women, other people, other children to say things and do things that would bring light to his word. It says it in Ephesians 4. It's not something I'm just one of my opinions. It's one of those things I think we're being a little bit self-righteous to think, well, I can read every word of this Bible and I can understand it and God will make it make sense. Did did what I did earlier, does that make any sense to y'all? I flipped and opened something. I don't understand that. I need some help. Sometimes you don't need help. And I would always recommend, please, please, please start with the word and then use the commentaries and the study helps later. Don't miss those. So what I've got for you at the table today, I put together just a, a small handout of resources that you can use that will help you. A lot of you are already using resources. If you've got good, good resources, keep using them. But I just put a few things on paper. There's some things that are online that are free, some books you could look into, some really solid stuff. And say, you know what, I don't know where to start. Let that be your starting point. Pick up one of those handouts. Go online. Let me tell you, though, be careful. Because one thing about the commentary situation or in the uh, searching for resources and tools is there's a ton of good stuff out there. But as much good stuff as there is, there's about 500 times bad stuff. Okay? So when you click a search engine and you put in, be very, very careful what you pull up. Be very careful who you're reading. Be very careful why they wrote that. What's the purpose? And then ask other believers, hey, have you heard of this guy? Have you heard of this lady? Have you heard? ask, let that run off somebody. Don't dive into something before you know if it's solid or not. That's the one reason that people are so cautious about commentaries is because they don't want to get caught in some murky mess. Do your homework on that before you dive into it. There's, there's two great analogies that, that Rob used to describe study resources, and I want to share these with you as we're, we're kind of wrapping this stuff up. Number one is study resources keep us on the playing field. This is a sports analogy. It makes sense in my mind. What he's saying is study resources keep us on the playing field and keep us from going out of bounds. So in other words, those resources are not there for us to sit down and read them by themselves. That's not, that's not that. That's, that's the Bible, okay? But what they are there for is to guide us and keep us from going way out of bounds, like theologically just crazy, like far right, far left. And they're there to keep us in the boundaries of the playing field so we're not playing on the wrong field. I kind of imagine it like, we, we, we take all of our baseball equipment and we go set it up on a soccer field. I mean, we could do that, but it's not really going to make sense. I need something to keep me on the right field and, and keep me from going out of bounds. The other analogy he used, he talked about window frames. You never talked about window frames before probably in your life, and I love the way he talked about this. Have you ever walked into a house, you ever walked into a building and said, man, those window frames are amazing. I love the design, love the color, y'all did awesome. These window frames are awesome. Nobody's ever done that, right? What is the purpose of the window frame? Why did you cut a hole in a wall? Why did you put a window frame in? To see the view, right? Well, guess what? This is your view. This is what you're supposed to be looking at. Not the commentary, but you know what's a necessary part of that? 
is the frame of that window which frames that view for us to look outside and see the beautiful things God's given us, sunrise and sunsets and those kind of things. Study resources should never be our main focus, but they should help to frame God's word in such a way that we have a clear view of what God's doing in the beauty of the, of the Bible. Last thing, number eight, that I want to give you to, to leave with is after you've done these things, the very last thing, most practical thing that we need to do when we study the Bible is apply the things we've learned. If you do all of these things and we don't apply them, you, you might as well not even read them. We call this obedience. I love what Spencer said. He said, it's not enough to read and study the Bible. We also need to be obedient. We need to understand that reading and studying the Bible is meeting with the God of the universe. It's meeting with Yahweh. It's not just checking a box. How many times have I read this book and said, well, I got John 1 done. I got John 2 done. Let me check that box. I am meeting with the God of the universe. Whether you're reading one verse or ten verses or ten chapters, you are meeting with the God of the universe. And let me just tell you, there will be days, I've had them and you've had them, where when you get up, maybe you do it first thing in the morning or whatever, it's going to feel like brushing your teeth. You're going to be like, man, it's not getting anything. And this is, this is a little bit boring. It's a little bit complex. And I'm just going to tell you to keep reading and to keep reading. Don't let your feelings dictate how much you're in this book. Because if your feelings dictate that, you will never be in this book. All right? There's, there's, a, there's a verse, and it's, it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18. And I'm going to close with this verse. This verse says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit so what that's saying is when we behold the glory of the Lord you know how you behold the glory of the Lord you get into this book there's no other way and we can worship that's part of part of it we can have fellowship that's part of it but to behold the glory of the Lord is to look into his word And it says what this verse is saying is little by little from one degree to another, we're becoming to look a little bit more like Jesus. Spencer said it this way. He says the more we look at Jesus, the more we look like Jesus. Think about that. The more we look at Jesus through his revealed word, the more we look like Jesus. And that's going to happen slowly, one degree by one degree by one degree. But if you're not ever riding the bike, there is no degrees. You've got to get on the bike, and you're going to fall, and you're going to crash, and get back up on the bike so God continue to work in your life. Um, we're going to have all these. I know I went through a lot of information. You can pull all these things off of our website. We'll have these so you can go back through if you weren't taking notes today, and you can go back through. I'm, I'm really serious that I hope that you will take on the challenge that I'm issuing to myself and to all of us this morning is we need to be serious about reading and studying the Word of God. And what better time than 2019 for Sunday, new series starting next week. Grab your scripture journal this week. Go ahead and start reading Romans now. Read through the whole book this week. Read through it twice, whatever it takes. But there's going to have to be some investment on us outside of these four walls, right? And that's what I'm hoping that I can do. That's what I'm hoping you can do. We're going to go into a time of communion as we close the service. Let me pray. David's going to come. Lord, I just pray that the things that uh, I've said this morning um, that, that Rob and, and Spencer have said so well that made so much a difference in my life would make a difference maybe just in one person's life this morning. I know you've called us, not just in 2019, but especially in 2019, to read and study your word. And Lord, that's not going to happen in 
30 minutes or an hour or two hours or three hours on a Sunday morning. We can stay here all day, and it's still not going to happen because it has to happen individually, us with you. You know, that's, that's just my simple prayer this morning. I also pray you would uh, speak through David as he prepares our hearts for an incredible celebration. There is no better celebration than the first Sunday of a year to celebrate what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, what a, what a privilege, what an opportunity. This is not a burden, but a celebration. Lord, thank you for giving this to us now. We ask these things in your name. Amen.